Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. From the Fifth Quarter Studios in Madison, Wisconsin, you're listening to Coach Unplugged. And now, your host, Steve Collins. Hey, everybody. Happy Monday or short week or whatever way you want to talk it. We're going to talk to Coach Jennings today about uh, part one of two parts, talking about the Princeton offense, so I think you'll really enjoy this. Um, Before we jump in and talk to Coach, I'd like to give a big shout-out to our sponsors. First of all, uh, Dr. Dish. Um, I think the most innovative technological um, shooting machine on the market and it doesn't break down. It's so great. Customer service is second to none. Mention Coach Unplugged. They'll give you $350 off your next purchase. Also, go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. Um, you know, it's less than a cup of coffee a day. Um, isn't less than a cup of coffee a day worth your working on your craft, becoming a better coach, doing those kind of things, you know. Um, we solve the solution of the noise and try to simplify it down where, you know, here's the offense, here's how you do defense, here's how you do these things. And then when you do get stuck, like I answered two emails this morning, I'm here to help you guide all that noise. So come over and check us out at teachhoops.com. I do not think you'll be disappointed. All right, let's head off to the podcast. All right. Welcome to high school hoops. Um, episode I have no idea it's probably going to maybe in the early 700s um so coach I'm going to have you introduce yourself um and kind of tell your basketball journey um and then we'll we'll dive into I have lots of questions about the offense you run and and your school that you're at and all those kind of things so coach Jennings I'm going to have you introduce yourself and kind of just tell the people kind of where you started and how you ended up where you are right now and all that kind of stuff in between. Cause I think it's really important for people to know people's story. That's why I've 
All my podcasts I've started this way recently in the last year or so, because it's been one of my things I've been talking to my my teams about. It's like no one really knows another person's story unless they yeah. take the time to find it out. And they might yeah, be having absolutely. a bad day and all that kind of stuff. Go ahead, Coach. My name is Aaron Jennings. I'm the men's head basketball coach at Mount Mercy University. Um, I've been the men's head coach here for five years. But I, I mean, I grew up Cedar Rapids, Iowa. It's kind of right in the middle of the state. I grew up about 20 minutes outside of town, small town of Atkins. You know, when I was there, less than a thousand people you know, went to Bent Community High School. So it was like seven small towns that all went, drove to this high school, you know, played there, graduated in 99, and then was recruited um, to Northwestern University by Kevin O'Neill. And so oh God. I, went, I didn't Kevin O'Neill. Yep. Kevin O'Neill, so, Marquette guy. Yes, yeah. after Marquette, Tennessee, USC. You know, he's he was in the NBA. He was head coach of the Raptors for one year, you know. So yeah. It's the coaching. That's the, 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 I always tell the young coaches, if you want to get in the college game, Buy some suitcases. Yeah, because absolutely. Yeah. There's only one Coach K. There's, yeah. You know, yeah. even look at Calipari. Or, or yeah. So. Yeah, there aren't many of those. Like, you know, you got to be like, a, you know, and I like Buzz. Buzz is at Virginia Tech yeah, right absolutely. now. Absolutely. Yeah. No, Buzz is at no, Texas, Texas down in A&M. He's at Texas, Texas A&M. A&M. Yep, absolutely. But I mean, you look at him, it's like Buzz is a great guy. But you, yeah. you have to jump around. Your yeah, life expectancy is so. like five years. Yeah. But the so. good ones, what they do is they stay four or five, and then they jump shit. Or they well, get I'm hoping to change that a little bit. I've been here quite a while. So, yeah. Yes. So, but the big boys, but, I think it's a, it's almost a money thing, like selling tickets. Yep. It's like they yeah. need. Well, if somebody's going to give me one of those contracts, you know, I'll maybe, <laughs> maybe move on a little bit. You so. take one of those. Yeah, you take absolutely. One of those big ones. So. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, but Kevin O'Neill recruited me, played for him for one year. Um, and then he left. He went to the NBA. He was an assistant. And uh, Bill Carmody came in, you know, and he came in from Princeton. And so I played for him for three years, sophomore, junior, senior year. Um, after that, I thought, I mean, I'm 6'11", I'm a big guy as a post, you know, I could step outside and shoot a little bit. Carmody came in and taught me that. Do you and think I your thought, game fit his style? No, not initially. O'Neal, okay. O'Neal recruited me, you know, in high school, I think I shot two threes in the same game because we were, you know, ahead by 40 and I made one and missed one, you know, probably right. made one and airballed one. But then Carmody came in and kind of every year, just, you know, my sophomore year, I maybe shot 25 threes and then junior year 50. And then by the time I was a senior, I shot 75 or 80, you know, so it just kind of developed. But then I thought, okay, I'm going to, I want to be a professional. I wanted to be a professional for as long as time. I wasn't good enough to play in the NBA, uh, wanted to, you know, but I wasn't that level of player. And so I thought, okay, I'll go overseas and play for 10 years and then get into coaching. I always wanted to get into coaching, but I thought I'd play professionally first. And so uh, went to Croatia briefly, um, got hurt. Had to come home. Uh, while I was home rehabbing, trying to get healthy, I helped coach at my high school. My brother was a senior, not at the time, but now my brother-in-law was a junior. He was our best player. And so I helped okay. out at my high school for one year. Um, and then I uh, got picked up where I played for uh, the River Cedar Rapids River Raiders. They were a semi-pro team here in okay. town and then played for them for maybe a month and a half, two months. But once again, couldn't get healthy. I couldn't train hard enough and long enough. I wasn't a natural just gifted athlete or anything. I was tall, you know, and somewhat skilled. And so, um, but I just couldn't stay healthy. And I just kind of decided that it was time to stop beating on my body, you know, and get into coaching. Was it knees? Well, knees, shins, back, everything at different times. You know, it's just one of those things. If you want to be a pro, you have to work at it and work at it. They're going to pay you to play basketball, you know, or whatever. Right. Um, I always say I'm lucky enough they're paying me to coach. That's a pretty special thing. Paying you to play basketball. Even you have to do it 30, 40, 50 hours a week. Do you think you played too much as a, as a kid? Nope, not at all. Okay. I just okay. think that just 
just just my body just kind of no, broke I, down I, some, I, here, you know, I have so. a theory i have a theory with the bigger bodies yeah that i think sometimes and all my big guys have had some a little bit of issues later like yep. professionally and stuff it's like i wish we could just back off the summer a little bit i think yep. i think a body I, your size i, I was meant to pound that much yeah. over and over and yep. over again and i think i was playing a little bit before it AAU stuff just went crazy. Right. You know, we played, we played in some AAU, you know, you played in the Iowa, you know, state tournament okay. and we went yeah. to different places, yeah. but I wasn't playing 60, 70 games in a summer. I know. You know and that's what these like big, bod- some of these big bodies are doing that right now. It's like, yeah. you guys, it's, you have a fine, there's only so much in the tank. <laughs> yes, absolutely. When so. you're 6'10 yeah. and it's so, like, yeah. eventually something's going to gear, a hip's going to give or like, yep. you know, so. I don't know. Yeah. So, I mean, I feel good now and I still can get out there and play with my guys now and I'm good with my, you know, but it's uh, not as much. And, you know, I just shoot now. Don't play I know, it's defense, like, but, yeah. I, I tell them I'll beat you in a game of horse. I'll beat them. Yeah, absolutely. All. And I will every once in a while. I have to do that to them. So put them back, you know, knock them off the pedals. Still a little yes. Bit, so. Yes. Um, but then, you know, so then after that, I, Mount Mercy is right here in Cedar Rapids. So like I said, I was when I was trying to get healthy, I I'd had some AU friends that played here. I had a high school friend that played here. And so I would be up here. I'd play in open gyms and stuff like that. And so I just got to know Paul Gavin, the head men's coach here. And then I just, finally, when I stopped playing, I said, Hey, I want to get into coaching. And at the time he had an you know, assistant, you know, part-time assistant. Um, but I said, sure, I always need help, you know, and once again, I played, I played basketball and at a high level and so he said sure and then like a week or 10 days later the assistant got a head job moved on and so I just kind of slid right into the top assistant job or the money you know the the small amount of money that it was and so then it you know that just kind of moved forward so I got kind of lucky being in the right place at the right time and so then I was I was his assistant for four years and learned so much and you know was very different than you know coach O'Neill and coach Carmody um, but then I was ready to be a head coach. I mean, I was ready to move on. I, I didn't want to, when I was an assistant coach, I worked on a farm for a few years. I drove a truck, delivered car parts and right, brakes right. and tires and stuff, you know, but I just wanted to coach. And right, so right. Um, the women's job here at Mount Mercy opened up and, you know, I'd never thought about coaching women before. Um, and I started, I kind of called around and talked to some people. Well, if I start coaching women, will I ever be able to jump back or what's it like, you know, kind of thing. And what answer did you get on that? And they all said, if you can coach, you can coach. If you can, if you can coach women, you can coach men. If you can coach men, you can coach women. Like if you, it's, it's more about like your personality, your style. It's more about connecting with the players. Right. Um, and so I, so I applied for the job, you know, and I was one of the three finalists and then I ended up getting the job. Um, and it was awesome. You know, I just kind of immediately from day one, you know, the, the women's team, had seen me as the men's assistant and they had seen kind of all the workouts that I did with them, being in the weight room with them kind of, and even back then playing with them a lot more. And so they kind of saw that work for me, even though I was part-time, I was here every day, you know, doing the stuff with the men's team as the assistant. And so I just kind of, um, when I became the women's coach, I just worked to connect with them. I worked to earn their trust. Um, and I, I kind of always said that, you know, you want, players to run through a brick wall for you but you have to show that you're going to run through a brick wall for them right and so that's just kind of what I did I just worked on connecting with the players and putting in the work and telling them that I'm going to put in the work and you're going to put in the work and we're going to do this together 
It's, and, I'm telling you, I tell all the young coaches, it's not the X's and O's are important. Yeah. So you can find out all the X's and O's yeah, in the world absolutely. you live in right now. It's like, look at all the books. I used to have to look this yeah. stuff up or buy DVDs or VHS tapes. There's, yeah. You can find anything you want now, but if you don't yeah. connect with them, they're not going to, yeah. you're right. Yeah. It, it does not matter. It, I, I believe in the Princeton offense. We run the Princeton offense, but it does not matter. I mean, right. you could, you could pick any system and if you b- get your players to believe in it mm-hmm. and you believe, and if you believe in it, you get your players to believe in it and you need some talent, Right. Um, <laughs> but you can, that but helps. you could create winning, you know, there, and, there's two types of coaches. <laughs> There's coaches with players and ex-coaches. Yeah, 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 yeah. there you go. Absolutely. So, but, <laughs> I told but you I was the, but I was the women's coach for seven years. Just amazing, and so, so just so many connections, and so many great things. And then, but then um, Paul Gavin, the coach that I was his assistant, he actually he got hired as our athletic director. And so the school said, um, you know, some coaches have ads and coaches be the same thing. But the school said, no, we just want you to be the ad. And so they kind of came to me and said, would you like to move over? Would you like to move over to the men's side? And thought a lot about it um, and decided to do it just kind of as another challenge. Right. Um, I kind of thought of it and I'm not looking to leave at all, but I kind of thought about like on the women's side, you're competing against male and female for right. other jobs, right. potentially, you know, right. moving around right. the country and on the men's side, you're only competing for the most part against men. So, I know. You know, so, so that was just one of the things that it was just another challenge. And it was something like people, you know, I've had people say, oh, congratulations, you know, or, you know, almost like it was a step up. And I never looked at it like that. Like, I, I mean, I'm a head coach, blessed to be a head coach, coaching the women. So, and so tell me, awesome. tell me, tell me the similarities and the differences between the two, especially well, at the collegiate level. Yeah, I think. Um, Is recruiting the, different? Uh, no, I think one of the biggest differences is the girls trusted me a lot sooner, you know, the girl and the girls, uh, once again, they, you know, if I tell them to do something, if we'd run a drill or we'd run this as an offense, whatever, they, they'd believe it. They would do it. You know, on the guy's side, we say, do this or do that. And they're kind of, they look at you sometimes like, well, I already know what I'm doing. You know, I don't, what, what do I need you for? You know, right, just right. Give, give me the ball coach, you know? Right. And, um, with the girls, it wasn't quite that same way. But what I've noticed, what I noticed with my niece who who got recruited and and dealing with guys being recruited, I almost think the girls look at the school first. Yeah. And sometimes the boys look at the basketball. Yeah, first. yeah. And but again, that's stereotyping in any yeah. in any stretch. But that's just the experience I've had here at Mount Mercy. We're such a like we have an awesome nursing program, awesome education, you know, right. program, and so that attracted a lot of you know of you know, the female athletes and things like that. Right. Um, but, you know, we've got close to 40 majors, you know, and so I think it's just a matter of I'm trying to find those players, just like a lot of coaches, that are going to take both seriously. Right. Because so, so, we yeah, say yeah. all the time, you don't get to be an athlete without being a student. No. So, so tell me, what division are you? NAIA. NAIA. And what division? Well, I know they're going to well, one. Yeah, we, division one right now. So when we joined the Heart of America three or four or five years Four years ago, we went Division One. We were Division Two before that when we were the old MCC. Okay. So um, I know you had Coach Blaine, Jim Blaine on from yeah. Clark a couple he's years a ago. Guy. You know, so we're in the same conference. Coach okay. is awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's so. a great guy. He, he, I remember his state tournament team. He was a great guy. So tell me about your school. Where is it located? You know, what? Yeah. So Mount Mercy is kind of in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. So Cedar Rapids is the second biggest city in Iowa. You know, there's about 180,000 people kind of in the general area, Marion, Hiawatha. Yep. Uh, Mount Mercy is kind of up on the hill. So Mount Mercy, it's actually, if you go to the top of one of our dorms, it's kind of the highest point in Cedar Rapids. I think they, they advertise that on the campus tour. And so <laughs> liberal arts school, Catholic institution, okay. um, you know, about 40 majors. 
um, you know, we have close to 500 student athletes. And okay. so, um, you know, our basketball team, we have between 30 and 35 players, you know, running varsity, um, kind of reserve RC JV programs, all of that kind of stuff. And so, you know, just a, you know, I've been here a long time, you know, four years assistant, seven years, you know, women's coach five and now, years now. now so. Were you limited? I forgot what Jim's, you guys limited like the eight scholarships. Is that change? Is, is Cause so, you guys are all going to one group, right? I think. Yeah. So before the division, NAI division one had 11 and okay. NAI division two had six. And now we're all going to one division. It's going down to eight. And I heard you talking to Jim. Um, but the thing about it is the, in the NAI, you get these exemptions. If you have smart students, like you can take their money and cut it in half, or even if they're, if they're really smart counts as zero. So you could give a kid a full ride, but if he's a 4.0 student, it doesn't, you doesn't go towards your scholarship limit. The same thing with you. If you get multi-sport athletes, like if you have a basketball player and then he runs track as well, then right. each, each sport takes half of his money. So then you have ways to kind of play around that. And so Honestly, the number doesn't matter that much because coaches and schools can figure out how to kind of wiggle and, you know, get whatever they want out of it. Right. So the, the, yeah. The sticker isn't always what you pay. That's yes, absolutely. Like, so. <laughs> I always tell people that it's amazing on that. Um, okay. So um, the hundred, what'd you say? 180,000. So that's a pretty big area. Oh yeah. Cedar Rapids is, you know, Des Moines is the capital. Des Moines is the biggest city, but yeah, Cedar Rapids is the second biggest so city. So what's your recruiting? How far, how far do you really, I mean, that always intrigues me how far your recruiting window is. Yeah. I would say there's, we got about half of our players, like I said, total varsity, you know, all levels 30 to 35, about half are from Iowa and then about half aren't. And so where do the rest come from? Well, a lot of Illinois, we recruit the junior colleges really heavily. We get quite a few transfers, you know, okay. every year. I've got, I mean, my best transfer actually this year is coming in from Milwaukee. We're really excited about him. Okay. We've got a player from Germany, Australia. I've got a kid coming in from Sweden, hopefully with okay. COVID, who knows? Oh, yeah. Um, you know. Let's hope um, you have a season. Yeah. So, but when, yeah. when I was on the women's side, my best point guard ever was, or one of them, I guess at first was from Chile. And so, okay. you know, like you get players from all over. I mean, and, and uh, it's uh, like I was telling you, it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting recruiting window that you guys yeah. have. It's yeah. so, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that we've got a, but I think on our side and I just kind of, I continued this from the previous men's coach on the women's side, I recruited a lot more freshmen bringing them in um, on the men's side, we recruit a lot more transfers. And so we are kind of trying to balance that out between bringing in transfers that are ready to play right away, kind of understand college basketball, you know, and then trying to get some freshmen that maybe they're ready right away. There's some that are going to develop and then some that are coming in and just want to be a part of the team. Right. I, I tell you the difference. I think that I think there's a bigger difference in college than there is in high school. I think the difference between a 14 and an 18 year old and the difference between an 18 and a 22 year old, I think there's, absolutely. A, there's a bigger, like you are a man by the time yep, you're absolutely. 22. Yes, absolutely. And going through, yeah, go, just going through college, going through that competition every single day, right? You know, in any sport. Well, and it's the way, it's, it's more the, the contained yeah. environment. Yep. They're not like, yeah. you know, the really good athletes play in five different sports. You know, they're not doing all which they should do. I, I don't, no, I, I don't love think it. They, yeah, I Absolutely. Love it. Yes. I want that. I want, I want to recruit. And I've heard other coaches say this. I've heard like football coaches say this, but I want to find players that played multiple sports oh, yeah. you know, that have so, you know, that are involved in different things. We've got a couple guys on our team that are in the choir and, you know, or different things like that. You want players that are well-rounded. 
Yeah, right. And I'm telling you, the, the, every division one, I've, I've got guys in the NFL. Every time yep. college coaches came in and looked at them, they, they yep. came to their basketball practice because they yeah. liked that they're competitors and they liked that they weren't the star yep. of mm-hmm. the basketball team, quote unquote. They were playing because they yep. were competitors. Yep. They wanted to win. They, you know. Um, and I think they'll be healthier too. I think if you be. find a player right now in this, a, in, in, in this cycle of AAU club, everything else, if you play one sport, all year long from sixth and seventh grade, you're going to get hurt. Your, your body is going to break down. And no, so I've, I've read the research things. on this. Yeah, read, absolutely. The, the research basically says you're not, you should, until you're in mid, late middle school, you should do as many sports because you're, you're yep. doing different motor skills. Yep, absolutely. So, <laughs> um, yeah, and you're learning to think and, you know, yeah, you're using different muscles for different sports and everything else. So and I've all, said this, I've said this in the podcast before, Wesley, who's like playing for the Bucks, and he's like, yep. he, he was a, first team all-state soccer player i swear to god he sees the way he does on the basketball because he played soccer absolutely because his footwork was better he saw the court better all those things and he was obviously didn't steve nash always say that you know he was always you know he was so he was so good you know you remember watching some of the dunk contests or something like that where he would kick the ball with his feet or hit it with his head or something pass it to a teammate or something You know, just having being skilled in different things is a good thing. How did so. that guy play? Me, I mean, yeah. he's amazing. He's yeah, amazing. So much fun. Yes, absolutely. It's like there's a that you know he the the king of the floater because he yep, absolutely he couldn't, get, he couldn't get it over someone like you, but he could yeah. oh, he could get yeah. it off before you could block it. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Um. All right. So let's let's talk about the Princeton offense a little bit. So let's say I know nothing about the Princeton offense. Yeah, I would say that you would start simple. You know, the Princeton is kind of known for spacing the floor. Um, shooting a lot of threes and going back door, right? Okay. And I would say maybe even going back door is the very first thing. That that's what, I think that's what people think of. If somebody thinks of the Princeton office, they think of the back door cut, going back door. Um, and that's great. I mean, I, we, we talk about this. First thing we talk about is going back door, going back door, go back door again, do it again. You know, um, talk all the time about you don't get to do what you want to do until you know what you're supposed to, you know, you get freedom once you figure out what you're supposed to be doing. Okay. So, so and how think- do you teach that cut? Cause that's been hard for me. Cause I run like a hybrid. Yeah. I mean, I have tendencies of Princeton in my offense. I have tendencies mm-hmm. of read and react yeah. in my offense. I have a little tendencies of dribble drive. It's a little bit of combination of all of them. But so I have a real so hard back, time teaching them to do that. So going back to what we talked about early, but drills, you know, all of our drills are built around those cuts that we are getting to. You know, we talk about, we do a one-step setup, not two steps, just, and we talk about the timing of it. I always say it's better to be late than early, because if I cut and I'm early and you're not ready to pass me the basketball, then I'm never going to get it. Right? Right. I'm going to be open before you're ready to pass it. The defense is going to recover. But if I cut late, there's still a chance of me being open. You've just got to be able to handle it or vice versa. And so we, our drills are kind of built around when you're cutting. And so, you know, and that's the, I think the next thing or one of the things that Princeton is built around or known for is kind of getting the ball on the elbow, right? Getting the ball on the elbow. And a lot of times for us, the post player, the post player is getting the ball on the elbow. You're bringing the post defender away from the basket, getting the ball to that player. And then you're getting kind of your different movements, your, you know, if the post gets the ball at the elbow, you know, your point guard is cutting one way. Like we, it's literally the offense is called point for us. And so we call it point screen away, point down the middle, point over the top. And so that tells you that's exactly what the point guard is doing once the five man has it. Um, and then you're making your different reads and cuts off of that stuff. And so I think what is difficult about it, it does take repetition. 
because you have to, you know, everybody kind of has to learn these things at the same time. Right. But going back to, you know, earlier we talked, you know, you said, I listened to one of your podcasts about the read and react. That's basically what it is. I can call a play or the point guard can call a play. But if you get to the point where you're at Northwestern after a few years, or even some teams, if I've got uh, return, you know, veterans that have run this for a little while, we don't have to call stuff. Our point guard is supposed to make this read. If he passes the ball, he passes the ball to the postman at the five and his, his defender jumps to the ball, will then cut to the basket. Go down the middle, get a give and go, and score a layup. And so all these things um, we're putting in is you're reacting to what the defense is doing. Um, it's just controlled. It's a controlled motion. It is. And it's like the, the reacting parts, the heart. I mean, I'm trying to teach you how to play. That's what yeah, I tell the yeah, guys. So, I don't want you to be I, a robot. I, I think so much of the Princeton was created because for so many years, you know, man-to-man defense, man-to-man defense, jump to the ball, hand in the passing lane, right? If I'm guarding you and you throw the ball over to the right or left, then I'm jumping that way. If you jump to the ball and I go back door, I'm going to be open for a split second. And so right. that's kind of where it was built around. And so then you're trying to get the defense uncomfortable. You're trying to get the defense kind of in a scramble mode where somebody, if, if nobody helps, then I'm open. I score a layup. But then if somebody helps, then that's creating chaos. That's creating movement. And the defense is always going to, you're going to lose somebody eventually if the offense has, can move the basketball and have right. the you, players you, and talent. Do you find it hard to, I find it hard for the passer to make the pass at times that they're open. Yeah. And they'll see it on film. And again, we're not, we're dealing with, we probably yeah. as high school coaches probably deal with a wider range of yeah. abilities. Yeah. Um, but I think, I think it just goes back to drilling. And I think okay. it goes back to like, as a coach, you're not trying to put in 72 different options, right? You're, you're, you're giving, you're giving, you're making a pass and you can even, you don't even have to teach it as an offense. You know, I've been talking to some coaches recently and I say, just teach it as a play, call it head tap, call it chest, call it fist, call it elbow, whatever you want to call it. Well, we, you, you know, call it back door. I don't yeah, care. You know yes, absolutely. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So just, just teach it as a play. And so then you're, you're telling you know, you're telling the guy with the ball to look, okay, this guy's going back door and this guy's popping. Who's open? Throw it to him. You know. Hey everybody, hope you're enjoying the podcast. Please subscribe and like uh, no matter where you listen to podcasts, whether you're jogging, walking the dogs, walking the kids, playing at the pool, uh, go over and subscribe. Apple would be great. Five star. <laughs> if you're going to do a two star, don't do it. Spotify or wherever you listen. Um, we would also love if you went over to teachhoops.com. It's what allows us to keep the lights on here and keep things at chugging. Um, so go over and check that out. 14 day free trial. Uh, you know, everyone's got to work on their game and their craft, come over and help us. And then the last thing is if you're thinking of um, looking for other podcasts, go over and check out high school hoops um, and teacher side gig. Those are two other ones. And we, we might have a fourth one in the, in the tank, but we'll, we'll tease you on that one. All right, let's head back to the podcast. And so you're not saying you have, you don't have to see the back door, the pop, the over the ear and you know, if you're, if you have the opportunity to attack, then looking at all those things, you know, those, that kind of comes with getting more comfortable, it but does. you start with, like I said, we're at the college level. We're saying the first option is backdoor. So that's all we're teaching backdoor, 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 backdoor. And then once they get in their head that it's backdoor, then we start adding. That's after backdoor. So let's say you teach backdoor first, yep. then what? So then it's, so we are, it kind of depends on whether somebody's dribbling at you. So the back door, if I'm dribbling at you, your defender jumps to me, you go back door. Okay. If I'm dribbling at you and your defender kind of drops into the help, drops into the gap, 
you're coming around for the handoff. And so we're getting into this kind of weave situation, backdoor handoff, backdoor handoff, backdoor handoff, if there's some kind of dribble move. And so it, this can continue. I'm dribbling at you and you cut back door. You're not open. That's fine. I go dribble to the next player and then he can do the same. He or she can do the same thing. Go back door, come around for the handoff. If I have the and how long would that. So let's say, let's say I'm putting that into my offense as a high school coach. That's yep. probably a week's worth of stuff. Just getting good at that. Yes. And so once again, Wait. we are building all of this stuff in to, but I think that AAU basketball and even high school basketball, you know, and younger is teaching more of that. They're teaching the read and react. They're teaching dribble drive. They're teaching right. all those things. And so there's a lot more dribble handoffs in today's basketball, even outside of Princeton, than there was back when I was playing. Right. You know? And so, um, so I think they're getting more comfortable with that. And yeah. so, you know, you're just adding, instead of just giving them total freedom, you're just adding some structure to that. Right. So, but back to the Princeton, like if I'm holding the basketball, then two players are running basically at each other and then one's going back door and one's popping. And so that's kind of the next action that is very, that the Princeton is known for. Okay. Is, and so, and then, so if this guy, and we always say that the guy getting the screen is the one that makes the decision. And so then if he comes and he sees his defender drop, well, then he's not going to cut back door because you're cutting into your defender. You're popping to get that three and then the, the screener is cutting back door you're splitting okay. that screen so and like you, a split screen. can you run this can you run this with five out yeah, absolutely okay you know and so it's all i think with the five out it's more of you're getting into the dribble the dribble drive stuff you're getting more into the weave stuff you're getting more into the back door stuff i think that but i said with our five man now this year he has become such a good shooter we don't just kind of confine him to the elbow area. We let right. him step out. He can he can stop at the elbow and things happen off of it, but he can also kind of go all the way up and jump stop kind of an inside pivot at the three-point line. All of a sudden, we're kind of expanding the floor even more, and if his defender doesn't come out, then he's knocking down that shot. You have to come out and defend him there. And it opens things up. It leaves lanes you know, and space. Yep, absolutely. So, so then all of a sudden, the five defender is guarding at the three-point line, and trust me, talking as a big man, we don't like to go out and defend on the three-point line. And so then you're opening up the backdoor cuts. You're opening up, you're creating help situation. And in today's basketball, I, you know, I was listening to another podcast you were talking about, positionless basketball. You know, right. And players now, you know, there's not as many 6'11 guys that just stick to the block. You know, players can dribble. They no, they're can Giannis. And shoot, absolutely. They're Giannis. He is amazing. I love Giannis. Uh, yes. Yeah, absolutely. But it's just a matter of, yeah, all of a sudden our five men can shoot the basketball and he can pass and he can dribble. And so then it's just creating, you're trying to create chaos. You're trying to create help situations and take advantage of it. No, I agree. So um, let so here I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna give you three things. You can only do three things at your practice. What okay. are the three things you do at your practice? Shoot and shoot a lot. So I know a lot of I, I, I know I, it, I'm so bad. That's that's I know I've gotten better. I, I, yeah. I raised a shooter in my house because yeah. I was a shooter. Yeah. So the last couple of years I've been better because he'll come home and go, we didn't get enough shots up today, dad. Yeah. We didn't get enough shots up today. And it's like, yeah, I know very I know. rarely would any of our players say that. So we are shooting and it, and it shows. I mean, I think this year we, we shot the most threes and we maybe made the second most, but which, you know, that's not how you want. But two years ago, we shot the most and made the most. And so right. that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. But we are, we shoot so many threes and we space the floor um, that we are practicing that all of the time in, you know, full court, half court, everything. Okay. Um, I'd say that, you know, once again, we run this Princeton offense, but we play very fast. And so I'd say half of our stuff comes in transition. 
And so yeah. we play a game we call UCLA and it's just a continuous fast break, you know, three on two or four on three with one guy running in, you know, got to touch half court and then catch up, you know, yeah. and so you're working on defense. So we, I don't know, we call that game UCLA. I'd play that. And then I'd scrimmage, you know, it'd be a controlled scrimmage, but I love scrimmaging. We talked about earlier because it's bringing out that competition. All those things would be competitive. I think you're getting, you're doing all aspects of the game. I've always believed in doing things live and doing them like, you know, I'm not a big, and you know, obviously we got to work on some drill stuff, but I like, I like to be able to teach within that. Um, so talk about the, the stereotype of the Princeton offense being a slow down and, and trust me, I live in Wisconsin. Everyone thinks that, you know, Bo Ryan ran a slow down offense. Yeah. He really did it. And Dick did a little bit, Bennett, a little bit. Um, but still, they were they were not like, you know, taking it to the two seconds on the shot clock. Yeah. So I mean, I would say it's just that's it's just the name. It's the stigma of the name, you know. And so I think that um, one of my teammates, Savars Hardy, is a coach at Loyal Maryland right now. Um, okay. He was, you know, his last year he was an assistant at Northwestern with Carmody. I think he said that they maybe led the Big Ten in score, you know. And so, you know, on the women's side, on the men's side, I've never, we've never averaged on the men's side, we've never averaged below 80 points a game. You know, like our, our problem has not been on the offensive end. It's been on the defensive. It end. needs to be rebranded. Yeah, yes, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, <laughs> remember Mike Brown got the, the Lakers job for like four days, four games. Uh -huh. And he came in and said, I'm going to run the Princeton. And there was like a player revolt, you know, right. like, you know, Kobe and different players were saying, well, we're not going to do that. Right. Well, but now you see in the league, you know, the Warriors, I mean, the, the Nuggets run it so much. You have you give the Joker the basketball, and then players are cutting off of it. They're running the Princeton Golden offense. State ran up when, when Steph and all them were – they ran a version of it. It wasn't that. Absolutely. Bad, so it's like you know, all those so, – yeah. Yep. Yeah. So the Washington Wizards a number of years ago had a coach, and they ran it almost primarily, you know, and it was awesome to seeing the best players in the world running it at full speed. You know, that was fun to watch. And so, but yeah, I think it just comes down to calling it the Princeton. It just has that stigma because, because it's just basketball. And it's, once again, you're shooting layups and free throws and threes. That's what today's game is. Right, right. That's what today's game is. <laughs> and you're spacing the floor. And, and I have a whole theory on this, Coach, because I've been yeah. saying this. I don't know if I've put any of these podcasts up. I think the game is going to make another, another pivot in the sense that I think the mid-range. You think so? I do. I think it. I think if you can hit a twelve to fifteen footer like a layup, like yeah. I'm just telling kids, if you can do that, you will get open shots. So I think. I think <laughs> for for young kids, they need to be there. You don't want to see a fourth and fifth and sixth grader just bombing from twenty five feet. Well, first, they don't want to be Steph Curry. They're not well, strong enough. It's throwing everything out. No, I tell people it's a geometry problem. It's like shooting on a fifteen foot <laughs> basket. Yes, like, absolutely. Like shooting, yeah. It's a geometry problem. Yeah. I didn't let my son, my son's a really good three-point shooter. I didn't let him yeah. shoot three until he was in like seventh or eighth grade. He wasn't absolutely. Yep, absolutely. And I still had to break his shot down between <laughs> freshman and sophomore year. Yep. I had to, yep. we had to retweak it over the summer yep. because they're doing this. Yes. They're not or, or, they're, or they're coming from the hip and going like this. And you're not yeah. supposed to be not a shot put, you know. But and it's so, my theory with it's my theory with it's it's what Princeton did to the game, you know, you know, when they when they were doing that offense, you know, yeah. 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. I think the mid-range is just it literally has been lost to the to yeah. the ages. And, and we don't do it. I bet we shot all season. Our entire team 
we maybe shot 50 shots, 14 feet and 18 feet. We right. just we just take it out. We just don't do it. And I talk right. and I talk about it. My players know that I don't like it. But I think there's an, but I bet they're open. I bet, are you, I, are I, you talking, talking about, are you talking about, about half court or transition? I'm talking about in half court. Yeah, I see. think, I think from, I think from 12 to 16, more than 60, I think the, I think yeah. right in front of the three point line is a horrible shot. Yeah. And your and your three point lines moving back next year. Next it year. was supposed to be this year, but then with COVID and all of the costs, they, the they, they pushed the money, it back. They pushed it back one year. So. Okay. So, but I, what I'm saying is I think it's, and I maybe even in the high, maybe I'm just talking about the high school game, but I yeah. know there are eight 14 footers that are open. Like if yep, you can absolutely. shoot those, they're yeah. open. And yeah. you might, you might not be able to get to the rim. You might not be able to get fouled. Yeah. You might not be able to get there. I just yep. think it's a part of the game that, you know, we, the game has become so much one thing that there tends yep. to shifts back. Yeah, you know, it tends to do one of these things. Um, and I think I think at the high school level too, you know, at the college level, once again, we do have so much more time, and our players are coming in. You know, we're not taking every single high school player. There's right. only a select few that get yeah. to move on. Yeah, and so obviously at every level the talent jumps up, and so you you don't necessarily as a high school want your team shooting 35 40 threes in a game right you know but at our level we're practicing it and if we're shooting close to 38 to 42 percent as a team yeah and that's where like you're looking at i'm a big time numbers guy i love analytics I am so I'm, looking, I'm looking at you know this is what we want to do you know i think we had a we had a we haven't done this a lot, but we had a game this year. We shot over 53. Right. And so um, that's kind of – I'm, I'm, I'm a stats teacher. I think the analytics are going to show that at some point there's going to be a shift because okay. what's happening is this court is spreading in the sense that people are running them off the three-point line. Yep, yep. But, but, and, they're, uh, but, but you're taking away the layup. Well, what's, yeah. what's going to be open? Like it's yep. similar to the – what you were talking about, the denial on the wing. Well, what was mm-hmm. open? The back door cut was open. Yep, yep. So I so, just I think I think players be- have just gotten so good at you know once again if you cut back door and you throw me the pass I cut back door and I've got a layup somebody has to come over to help right and so then we are working on you come over and you wall up or you come over to block my shot take a charge whatever it is then I'm kicking out right I'm kicking out to that three and so I think those players now in high school you maybe want your player that I'm kicking to at that 12 to 15 foot range because right. that's the shot they're going to make right at college level you want to make the help defense have to go as far as possible, right? You're trying to space up the floor. So I'm kicking to the corner or I'm kicking to the top because help isn't there and then they can shoot that shot. I think think the change in the game of basketball means the court's not wide enough. Yeah, I I heard you say that on another podcast and I agree. I mean, just the players, like look at the NBA, the players have gotten so, like everybody has gotten so big and so long. Like the the amount of ground that they can cover is just, I mean, you know. I don't know if I'll ever see this, but the, the basket almost needs to move up. I mean, there's lots of things that need to, I mean, the, the bodies are just not, first of all, on an 84 foot floor for yeah. a high school, these, some of these kids are huge Yes, and, and very athletic. And yeah. it's like, Whoa, this court is not like, it's becoming, it's become so much more physical than it was. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm sure at some point, I mean, high school will then bump up you know, go to 94 feet. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a space issue though. That's yep. the problem. Yep. It's like, everyone's yep. got it. Like, I think there should be a movement like every new high school court built should be 94. Yeah. Yeah. Like I should, agree. So if you're, yep. you shouldn't so. build an 84 anymore. Uh, I was listening to earlier to one of your other podcasts and you were talking about, you see, you're not a fan of the shot clock and I am, I want, but I'm coming from I'm the not, college I'm standpoint not, and you're in the high school. I'm not, standpoint, I'm not so. anti-shot clock. I, I am. It allows different style of play. 
Yeah. That's the only and I would want like a 45 second shot clock in high school. I have no problem with a 45 second because yeah. I can still take time off the clock and I can run a slower offense. Yeah. And you can have a faster one. Yeah. But the, you know, the movement's 30. But you can't hold it for two minutes or three right. minutes. Right. And, and I'm like okay with that. And it also, at the end of the yeah. game, it would make it go back yes. and forth. 45 second, yeah. I'd be fine with. I don't think yeah. that's the movement. I think the movement's like 30. And that's good for college. And just like the 24 is good for the NBA. And there's a math to it. There's a reason that it's that way. Right. But in high school, you you know, the players aren't at the same level. So you no. want to, they hire us to coach. You want coaches to be able to coach. Yeah. Um, but you also want to have flow to the game and you want your players to have to learn how to do things. Well, not just- it's, it's the standard, devi- I'm a stats teacher. It's the standard deviation of all the high school basketball players in the country. The standard deviations. It's talking about spread if you know analytics. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, the standard deviation in high school basketball in the country is pretty big. <laughs> it narrows when you get to college because yep, you, you've gotten rid of all. You like 10% yep. of the people get to play. Yeah. So they're yeah. more capable of doing that. Yeah, I, I'm not against it. I, I We play halves, though. I think that would be a great high school book. Um, yep, I think so too. Yeah, Iowa's a quarters, and yeah, I love the halves. You it's know, better flow. So, uh, it's better flow. Yep, it's, absolutely. You know, so. it's, it's definitely better flow. And you've heard me say that I want to get rid of the jump ball. That's my new. Yeah, I, I have heard that. Yeah. So that's my. I'm, I'm literally going to fight for that. Yeah. It, when I was playing in high school, I wish, yeah, they uh, it was good for us because I was 6'11. I wasn't right. playing anybody else 6'11. Right. So, right. you know, so I was I talking to a coach in Alaska, and he agreed, uh, an official in Alaska, and he basically says, You're right. How many times do I throw them? There's a, a, a crew of three, yeah. and one of us throws yeah. it up. We don't get yeah. practice throwing the ball up. Yes. Um, yeah. You know, I so, was, I'm old enough. There was no three point line, and everything was a jump yeah. ball. So yeah. I'm old. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I remember the old days. Yeah. Um, tell me, give me a one sentence of your coaching philosophy or a paragraph. I'll give you a paragraph. I think I want to help players accomplish their goals. And it's not about, you know, those goals are so much bigger than the game of basketball. Um, but we are bringing these players in from all different walks of life, you know, all different, you know, coming from all different types of families. And we're trying to help them be successful. What's, that, what's the hardest what, That's thing. what I work for. I know. That's why I coach. It's not, I mean, yeah. as you get older, it's a, I get a little less, you know, you know, it used to be about the wins a little bit more yeah. than it is yeah. when you get a so, little older. Um, I mean, you, but I don't think you can – I don't think we can accomplish everything we want to accomplish without winning, honestly, because right. I mean, you, cause you're not going to be around long enough, right? If you're not, <laughs> if you're That's not, true. if you're not eventually winning, you know, then you're not necessarily doing your job either. Well, but people don't realize coach K almost got fired. Like he was about a year away from getting fired. His first couple Absolutely. of years are horrible. Yeah, but if you're instilling a system, if you're instilling a program, if you're instilling a mentality, you know, on the basketball court or on the field or whatever you're doing, going off of there too, you're instilling that in the classroom, you're instilling that in the dorms, you're instilling that in, you know, in their home, how they interact with their friends, everything else like that. And that's why it's so much bigger than just X's and O's and just a game. So I think that if we are at the college level, we're, we are working, you know, with and for our players for them to be successful. And so because they are, you know, all of our guys, you know, they're paying money to be here, you know. Right. It's a lifelong so learner. You're trying to absolutely. make them so, lifelong learners. I agree. Um, what's the hardest thing to teach? Um, passing. <laughs> um, 
But I, I think that, you know, now with these game, you know, you asked me earlier about the difference between men and women, but the guys come in and they are doing so many workouts, so many individual workouts. And I don't even know with COVID how it's going to be because nobody's, they haven't been allowed to play. You know, they're all practicing dribbling and they're all practicing their, their scoring moves. Oh and God. I have a whole theory about dribbling. It's like, it's like, it's like the first thing you learn to drew and it's like they all, they say, uh, it's like, stop dribbling yeah. so much. Yeah. But so many, so many, so many trainers, that's what they're working on. You know, do this 17 dribble move, you know, to get someplace. And so we are trying to break that down. We are saying, we're always saying like we versus me, you know, and so I think that that kind of goes into passing. Um, but make that pass, make that pass, make your teammate better. We talk so much about, we very rarely talk about scoring, we talk about assists. And so we just talk about it in terms of assists because we want our guys to, you know, enjoy playing with one another. And if I pass you the basketball and you score, you make the basket. Well, I'm happy and you're happy. Right. You know, that, and we're, we're both getting back. We're feeling better going on defense. You know? it's, like a, so, it's an office quote. It's a win-win-win. Yeah, it's a win-win. Absolutely. So. <laughs> um, the, the, here's the issue. My best point guard, probably my best point guard, he had a move and a counter move. Mm-hmm. Move and a counter move. Division one player. Count, move yeah. and a counter move. That's all he needed. He didn't but need. He was really good at it. He was really good at it. And, and that's all he needed because he could either do the move or he would do the counter move and then yeah. he could score. Yeah. It's like quit watching all the YouTube videos if any yep. of people listen. Yep. You don't need 85 dribble moves. Um, yep. You need to be competent. You need to be able to dribble. You need to be able to attack. But you don't need all these moves. Um, the hard part, I think, I agree with passing. Um, I think you're one of the few people that's actually said that. The hard part is the drilling part and the teaching part of that, mm-hmm. I think. Yep. It's not so- as easy as working on your jump shots. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You can't do it alone, but that's why, like I was watching, you know, our guys do a workout earlier today. Um, You know, we had four guys in the gym and they were partnering up. And so they were just, you know, everything that we drill during the season or during practice, like that's what they were working on. We are talking about, you know, we want, we shoot a lot of threes, but we want to, we don't just want to shoot them. We want to make them. Well, if I catch the pass up here, then that's not a good shot. You know, it's my percentages are going to go down. So we are just drilling and drilling and drilling. I'm giving you the pass right here in your pocket, you know, and I'm going to practice passing it to you off of an extra pass, off of a kick. I'm going to practice working, going left, going right, you know, off the bounce. And so we are drilling that stuff and we're finding players and we're recruiting to that, but we're finding players that want to do that or that we have this culture kind of built in now, the upperclassmen understand this. And so the new guys are coming in and they're saying, okay, you know, this guy's really good. We got an All-American. He averages, you know, 18, 20 points a game. All right. Well, he's not afraid to make that pass and that pass and that pass. So then I better be doing that too. So Right. And, and, and as a former shooter, give me the yeah. ball where I can shoot it. Yeah, absolutely. Like you don't so, want me to shoot. When you throw yeah. it over here, yeah. that second it's going to take me to get it to my pocket, I'm not going to yeah. shot off. So you obviously yeah. don't want me to shoot. It's kind yeah. of. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So trust <laughs> like, me. Once again, as a big guy. You know, I don't want to have to bend down to catch right. the basketball, you right. know, so. Um, Did you yeah, like so bounce passes? Did you like bounce passes into the post? No, I would much rather have thrown it high. Let me go get it up here, so. Okay, okay. Yeah, my college coach wouldn't let me pass high. Well, we didn't have anybody tall, that tall. It was yeah, a Division so, three yeah, player, so. but uh, do you have any superstitions? Honestly, no. I'm not a superstitious person. So, I mean, okay. I, I have I have routines. I don't, but it, it changes. I think we have to be so flexible and – Honestly, maybe with COVID now, that's good because our worlds have changed. And <laughs> for a know, while, yeah. the, the way the way things are going to happen with 
it with and then when games happen, when and if practices happen, you know, like already all the cleaning stuff we have to do and everything else like that, that we just have, you have, we have to be flexible. I know. I'm thinking that I'm thinking officials are going to be a problem. Yes, like absolutely. People to so, come in. Yeah, so they, they might change things. You might, you know, stick one guy over here and stick one guy over here and one, you know, or whatever and position them and don't move them, you know, but the, yeah, if they, this is already, if they have to have a face shield on, if, if they have to wear masks, well, you don't want them running around. And at the college level, you know, you're maybe, you know, you're, obviously just like players you get a higher level of you know and they can move better and they're in better shape but they're also they're older too, though yeah. they but, might be more yeah. prone to getting sick you know yeah. you never so yeah so i know uh, the only good thing the only good thing i've read because again i'm i'm a big reader on this stuff yep. is if there aren't a lot of people in that gym yep. like there, there's a reason a lot of people at supermarkets that work there aren't getting as sick because yep. it's seventy thousand square feet yes absolutely so and if you can and, keep, and, yeah if you can keep the air moving you know, if you keep air moving and everything, then that'll be good. So yeah, yeah, I think that, I think I know Mount Mercy is, I think colleges, conferences, you know, at the national level, whatever, they're all trying to figure this stuff out, right? They're trying to figure out, are fans going to be there? How is this happening? What are all the cleaning stuff? If you want to be, I tell all the, I tell all my podcast listeners, if you want to get rich, come up with a five minute or two minute test that will tell if yeah. someone has it or not and you'll yeah. be rich you can yeah. print money <laughs> you you'll do whatever you want yeah absolutely print money yeah, so. because then every kid could go to school because you yeah, test absolutely. them they go to school so, and then yeah. they, you know um well i won't be doing that so yeah, yeah. <laughs> no either will i um so is there i always ask this question and this is one of my favorite questions is do you have a success or a failure as a coach that we could dive into that another coach could learn from. I, I was listening to another podcast and I kind of heard you, I was, I was thinking about this and I was going back to, um, you know, I said earlier about, you know, getting your team to trust you, you know, and kind of building that trust and going through it. And I was going back to, I think my very first year coaching, we were ending practice with uh, um, just making free throws, right? You right. go down the line, everybody shoots two, you got to make a certain percentage, whatever it was. And, you know, we probably started 15 minutes before the end of practice and we didn't get it. And so we came back the next, we said, you know, okay, we got practice the next day, but we have to get in beforehand to get this done. So we probably showed up at five or 6 a.m. And we started doing this again. And we just went up right till the time they had to go to class. So we were maybe there two, uh, two and a half hours, just shooting free throws and did get it. But that entire time, I remember like, you know, not getting mad about it, trying to encourage them, trying to get the team to encourage each other, right? Because it was always different players, right? You know, some somebody might make four in a row, and then it was their turn the next time after they didn't get it, and they missed those two. And so it was just different players, you know, missing it. And so then we left that day, still didn't get it. We came back the next day, you know, and I think, you know, finally 15 minutes into practice, we got it, you know, and there was just such a celebration, you know. Yeah. You know, and they're, they're missing the free throws and then running, missing the free throws and running as a team, you know, and every, every coach has some drill like that, you know, that you're doing. Um, but I think the players saw that the whole time that I was being, that I was there with them, but I was encouraging them and, and, and getting them to encourage each other and getting them to stick together and to not, not just, oh, somebody missed it. So then everybody's heads go down, you know, that, right, that's the kind right. of stuff that can't happen. You know, that's yeah, the kind yeah. of stuff that you don't want to happen in life, you know, you know, kind of ups and downs. And so then I think that we made it. There was this celebration. Okay, good job. Now we went to practice. We just moved right, right on to right. practice. But I think that spending that time and doing something difficult and kind of fighting through it and eventually getting it and doing it together, 
was kind of kind there's of there's a bond. It's a, I call it the band Absolutely. of brothers. Hey, coach, I hope you enjoyed that. Make sure you subscribe and like, leave a written review. We would love those. Also, I would ask that you go down. Think about joining teachhoops.com. I know you've been thinking about it. It's like, oh, should I do it? It's a lot of money. It's like, trust me, it will pay for itself. I would not, I, you know, I have partners I have to pay, but it is worth every penny. So go over and check it out. Um, and then if you're going to do any shopping, click that Amazon link down below. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.